0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 160 of the N Focus Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan. With me as always is Andrew Brown. Hello. And back from uh, Illness is Tori Wasana.
1: Hello.
0: Hope you're feeling better, Tori.
1: I am. Nice.
0: Uh so before we get on, let's let's talk about the crap day I had yesterday, because that, that was fun. So we we woke up to a power cut that turned out to be a 10-hour power cut. Uh then uh, one of our cats started being ill related to the uh, going to the toilet, so we had to rush her to the vet, so that was a stress. And then my copy of Skyward Sword didn't turn up, which in the end, you know, was the least <laughs> least thing of my worries. But uh, yeah, just a pretty bad day. Oh yeah, and getting the cat into the carrier to take her to the vet, she broke my switch light, which was, uh, yeah... I didn't care at the time because she was more of the concern, but yeah, that, that was a thing I had to, to mourn over like in the in the afternoon. Uh, uh, in the end, uh, we found out that they were on sale somewhere, so I, I went and picked up a new one, and the broken one is now in the bottom of a drawer, and I can pretend it never happened. So yeah, that that was a a whole thing.
1: It was an extreme case of Joy-Con drift.
0: Yeah, that was the, the joke I was going to make. Like, the the analogue stick had fully ripped off, smashed off. It's just weird how, you know, I didn't really care about it at the time until we knew uh, little kitty was okay. But um, yeah, so uh, the last part of that, I didn't get Skyward Sword, so I can't engage on the discussion we're going to have about that this week, except from my very, very fallible memory. Um, But in other things, uh, Tori and Andrew have been playing Monster Hunter Stories 2, uh, and I've just been playing a load of random stuff because I've been a uh, sort of in-between juncture, and Skyward Sword didn't turn up, so we'll 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 delve into that a little bit as well. Um, but first up, we're gonna move on to updates from the previous episode. Okay, the first update, sorry, the only update this week is that I, yeah, uh, I did finish Outer Worlds um, earlier on in this week. Um, not really much more to add to my uh, talk about it last week, but I really did like this game a lot at the end. Um, I very much recommend it, even on Switch, um, unless you have, you know, Game Pass and you can play it on other formats for free. But, uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun with this, Name, I think, mainly because the, um, the Fallout structures are familiar and comforting, but also because it has that, uh, combat edge over fallout like the gunplay is a lot of fun especially in the the last third where the the missions get really enemy heavy the only problem i really had with it there's a there's a point where you have to make a big choice um and i feel like making what i feel is the correct choice from a moral standpoint uh, is one that cuts you off from a bunch of uh, cool interesting little missions um, luckily, I accidentally had a save before the choice, so I was able to go back and and go back through it and and see the the finale from from the other side. But yeah, just um, if you play it, be warned that there is that cut off, and I recommend keeping a save. There is no new game plus, so you can't just uh, you know restart the game with all your stats and quickly plow through for a second playthrough. Doesn't work like that. Um, but yeah, my my only remaining criticism is the one I made last week, which is that it's. Uh, you know it's got a punk approach in that it's very anti-corporation very anti-capitalism but now they're owned by a big company and i don't know what they're going to do with that in the sequel so that that is the uh, the interesting remainder of that but yeah overall really good game uh, typical obsidian quality um so yeah definitely recommend it it's a fun time Okay, so the only news this week uh, isn't one that relates directly to Nintendo, but now they have competition in the switchable hardware uh, gaming market uh, as Valve have announced the Steam Deck, which is a Switch-like portable PC uh, where you can sign in to your Steam account and access uh, your probably massive library. Um, I don't know about anyone else, but before I was doing PC gaming, I already had quite a sizable Steam library. Uh, Andro yeah. and have been picking up bits here and there. So. <laughs> Years ago when I, I
2: had a decent laptop that would actually play games uh, mm-hmm. I had quite a few Steam games and I, I've talked about that a little bit like New Vegas and Skyrim. I, I'm sure I've talked about how I played those. That was where I did it on was on my, my old Steam account. So I have mm-hmm. quite a few games on there that I've barely played because <laughs> you know steam sales and yeah. uh it would be nice to have a place to play them but I- i'm i'm very hesitant and skeptical of this product as it's been revealed are we at this part of the discussion yet should we yeah
0: <laughs> let's just get into it what do we think Thank people God. have already seen it they've probably either obsessed about it or re- written it off so let's, let's get into it
2: how i feel about it is well first of all the price point and gabe newell came out he was talking about how Valve is basically taking a hit on every model they put out, which I'm sure is true. Uh, but then saying, well, at least we got it out at a low price point. I'm like, my man. Uh, I know you're talking about this from a PC perspective, for from a pre-built PC, gaming PC perspective. Yeah, $399 is a pretty good deal. Once this thing is on the market, that's not how this thing's going to be perceived. This thing is going to be going up against the Switch, which is cheaper, and the PS4 and the Xbox here, the PS5, and the Xbox Series X, which are both the same price. This -hmm. thing is not going to be seen as cheap. This thing is going to be seen as the most expensive thing out there. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) already you've got a a visual problem there with uh, everyday consumers. And there's the whole reputation that pre-built PCs already have among PC gamers. So maybe that's a a misconception uh, because I saw a Twitter thread this week that I was talking about that shortly after the steam deck was announced was how there's this kind of perception out there that all the PC gamers are the get good crowd who have always have the highest end PC and always play in what 1400 P however, not for 4,000 P however high it goes now and 120 K FPS. I'm saying these things all wrong because I, I barely know them. I don't understand them and I don't care about them, but anyway, the, the big number stuff and, uh, the actual averages out there, which you can find on Steam, they will show you what people are actually playing games at. It's actually pretty comparable to what you can do with a with a console. You know, it's 1080p, it's 30 FPS. That's what Steam players are actually playing games at. Mm-hmm. So I, I I'm just concerned about the hardware quality. I'm concerned if Valve is actually going to support this in the long run. But I didn't immediately poo-poo it when it announced Uh, as soon as i saw that actually the first thing i thought was if i got one of those it would really open up the number of indie games i could play Mm because the indie games do show up on switch it usually takes a little while they usually uh, kind of have their testing ground on steam that's usually where they first appear Um, and there's rumors and hints and implications that you can play epic games store stuff on this and because mm-hmm. it runs on it runs on a a variation of linux so anything you can do on a pc air quotes anything you should be able to do on this
0: yep so i think the version of linux is called proton and it emulates mm-hmm. uh, windows applications and games pretty well uh i i saw an article that there were some exceptions so we're talking like rainbow six siege uh pubg Uh, And that they're already working on getting those things compatible. But that um, this Proton is also the reason why they say Epic Store will probably run, and uh, I guess maybe Origin as well. So, um,
2: Xbox Game Pass probably would be a pretty good place to play on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, there are certainly possibilities here for this thing. I'm not dismissing it out of hand. I want to see that it's actually going to be a success before I put this amount of money in it because mm. I don't care what Gabe Newell says. This is not the cheapest thing out there. This is the most expensive option out there to a, you know, <laughs> a boring unsophisticated gamer,
0: which definitely describes me. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I'm in that place where I think I'm all in. Uh, I you know, I I like Steam a lot I have most of my games there I you know I do mm-hmm. use the other marketplaces but I'm I'm one of those people where like just mentally I prefer to have things in one place even in in the software realm um so the fact this focuses on steam is a is actually <laughs> a, a good thing for me yeah I th- I, th- I think I'm all in it's obviously going to depend on uh the price uh, it launches at in australia cuz I you know we always get screwed over here uh for the uh Conversion rate, I think Tori will agree with me there. Yeah. The The morning they announced it, I was just about to go put a deposit down on a OLED Switch, you know, just in case, I think I'm probably going to get one. And I saw the announcement and I rushed to Steam, uh, excited credit card in hand, and then it wasn't available to pre-order here till next year, so <laughs> uh, I, was, I actually came away from that a little bit disappointed. Um, I've practically thought of nothing else since they announced it, though, so yeah i I'm, I'm very keen to to see what this is like um also let's uh consider the emulation possibilities this could be an emulation powerhouse
2: i thought about playing like emulated wii u games like playing that breath of the wild mod that lets you play as zelda that would be cool mm-hmm. and you could just blow people's minds that just walk around is it oh yeah this is a this is a switch this is a this is a secret model. <laughs> you you got to know people to get this one. Just just mess with people. I don't know. I don't know why I'm saying that.
0: <laughs> uh, Tori, what about you? Um,
1: well, as of recording, I currently own 649 games on Steam, so... Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> well, I have over 1,000 on Switch, so I shouldn't be <laughs> I shouldn't talk, but still. Oh, my God.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm... I don't want to say with certainty but I might be one of the bigger PC gamers here in the <laughs> network
0: at least certainly before I I was playing on PC
1: Yeah um I've got my you know RGB rig over here uh I play a lot of games on PC but I've actually started being um playing a lot of PC games on a controller lately like Resident Evil 8 I played on PC with mm-hmm. a controller which sounds like heresy to a lot of people, but a lot of these games are designed for controller. So I actually kind of feel like this, this will be really good for indies and a lot of the modern AAA games that have controller in mind, but I don't think it's going to really appeal to the, uh, the core PC market, just unless they're like curious and loaded. It's such a niche thing i think i'm kind of in that i'm not loaded but i'm definitely curious about it just like i use steam a lot um the cloud saves are going to be a huge thing
0: Mm -hmm. that that's why i'm interested
1: and yeah like uh, emulation i emulate a lot um and i play a lot of xbox game pass on pc so you know, this might be like the closest thing we get to a portable Xbox as well. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely value in it. The storage is my main concern because the cheapest model is 64 gig, off the top of my head.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: nothing, yeah. That's well, yeah. That's the same as the OLED Switch. Um, yeah, I think it is. It that'd be great for like your indie games. It's probably Mm -hmm. not going to fit a triple a title until they start actually (laughs) optimizing without getting too into the whole uh nvme um ssd tech um like stuff with the ps5 and the new xbox the storage means that they can kind of get rid of a lot of the redundancy that they use in their games to uh lower loading times they have the same Mm -hmm. data in multiple spots Um, with a uh, physical hard drive in mind. So that sort of optimization with Windows 11 in particular, whether or not that's going to be in SteamOS and Proton, I don't know when, if. But that's maybe... A lot of words just say that the storage is my main concern. An SD card feels wrong in this instance. (laughs)
0: I, th- I think that's a good, a good backup. You know, like you can get a micro SD that's a, a terabyte now. That like that would do something. They're expensive, but then at that point, you may as well just buy the the bigger model. <laughs> so, there is talk um,
1: that it might be possible to put um, your own storage in this, your own NVMe drives.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: There is an image going around of an email directly to gabe newell because he he does respond to some people when you email him directly asking if you could load a an ssd on it and he said yes but you know it's an image of an email so veracity is questionable
1: (laughs) yeah if, if that's true and you can load your own um ssd into it then yeah but i don't know on the fence still Especially because I'd probably want a two fifty six to start off with, and that's going to be probably over a thousand dollars here. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and I'm looking at the the premium one, and I'm like, oh yeah, I do like anti glare. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's all going to depend on pricing as to which model I get, but uh, yeah, like for me though, like I've I've always had uh, an obsession with handheld games, like ever since I was a kid. Um, you know, and I'd, I'd sit and pull through the catalogs looking at the links. Never got one. My wife has one now, actually. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've always had this obsession with uh, handheld gaming. Um, like, I've spoke about it before. Part of that is down to, like, my obsession with, like, how they solve interesting problems with ports, you know, like the Game Boy Advance ports we talked about a few weeks back. Um, yeah, just uh, that element of... Uh, of me also is grabbing me and you know if they're not going to release persona 4 golden on on <laughs> switch you know yeah. at least i can play it portably you now know? we can
1: finally play it portably <laughs> it, the
0: only way anyone should really play a persona game to be honest um
2: i guess i'll just throw my veto away <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah so yeah that, that that's where i'm coming from so yeah definite interest is just going to depend on uh how flush i am at the time and you know whether we can even get them. Well, yeah. oh.
2: and another stopping point for me is the dock for it is not going to be available at launch. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they asked that question. I think it was. I think I saw that in an IGN interview. Is will the dock be available at launch? The answer was we are still uh, trying to determine the answer to that question. So the answer is no. So
1: what mm. to expand on that? Um, you can plug any USB three. See, dock into it and dock it that mm-hmm. way right now.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's that's probably true. I didn't think of that, but I, think I, I would like I, I would want a dock well. for it. This I wouldn't get as much use out of it as I I want if I didn't have a dock for it. But mm-hmm. the the prospect of having basically a, a PC I could plug into my TV that already has access to my very neglected and quite large Steam library that's pretty attractive, but. Mm-hmm. This thing could be huge or it could be like the next end cage, like the the next (laughs) joke of video games. Like, you remember when Valve tried to put out a handheld system? That was a disaster. Uh, (laughs) It it, it could go either way. And uh, I'm very much just going to wait and see which way it goes before I commit money to it. So if I do get one, it might be around the same time you two get one. Mm -hmm. Because since you have to wait for it to come to Australia and I'm going to wait to see if it's any good. You know, so <laughs> we'll check
0: back with us next year. Yeah. Um but yeah, and it also might be the thing that gives Nintendo a kick to to give us that beefier switch we all wanted this year. Yeah. Well I was <laughs> gonna say this I
1: yeah. was wondering where the market would be, but the people demanding a Switch Pro That'd be it, wouldn't it?
0: Mm hmm.
2: Nintendo um, never
1: cares though.
2: They don't they don't respond to that stuff. They do what they, they want to do.
0: They're in their own little bubble. Um, yeah. The the only question is, obviously, you can't disconnect the controllers like you can on a Switch. So uh, Valve have already said they're confident in the quality of the analog sticks. But, you know, one of the benefits of the, the Switch is you can, if your analog sticks breaks, you can get new Joy-Cons or you can, you know, it, it's a modular system. Like when I had my Vita, I was always terrified the analog sticks were going to break constantly. Yeah. Um, and that's a problem with the, with my main switch, at least. You know, it's an easy easy fix, even if you have to, you know, spend money or send send them off for repair. Uh, and you know, obviously, with the the switch light, I've I've experienced what happens when one of those breaks uh, this week. So yeah, that's uh, not a fun thing to deal with. So you know, a lot of the times with handhelds modular can tend to be better. But yeah, uh, so that's it. Uh, this the switch has competition, maybe. So we'll we'll see how that pans out. Um, and I, I feel like we're all sort of on different parts of the uh, interest spectrum there. <laughs> so, cool. So with that, we'll uh, move on to the things we've been playing this week. Okay, uh, let's get the bitterness from me out of the way first. Uh, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword released this week. Um, uh, we've had this thing where... Uh, I've been getting games either the day before release or on release, and because Andrew's behind us in the time zone, it would always be a point of contention. Uh, it had to backfire for me at one time, and this is the instance. Um, so yeah, so I haven't got to experience it, but I'm, I'm still looking forward to it. I expect that it'll arrive tomorrow. Uh, yeah, how far are you guys into it so far?
1: Uh, I just beat the first dungeon, and it's the furthest I've ever gotten in Skyward Sword. <laughs>
2: I've beaten Skyward Sword twice before now, so um, keep that in mind uh, when I talk about it. Cause I, I it sounds like I have the most experience with this game out of all of us, and uh, I played it for about two hours. My god, this game has a slow beginning.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like,
2: uh, if you know anything about this game, you know that it's a motion-controlled sword-swinging game, and it takes a half an hour before the game even sticks a sword in your hand, and even then, it's even longer before you really get to do much with it, so... Bad, bad opening, and I was just so bored of a game that I already was not all excited. Was getting an HD port. That uh, as soon as I got to on Woods, which is like the first proper area of the game where you're actually doing something instead of watching cutscene after cutscene after cutscene. Uh, I just I stopped and I I actually went and I been playing breath of the wild all day today <laughs> because uh I, i've really come to realize that that's the kind of zelda game i would rather be playing like skyward sword is really into its plot which is weird because skyward sword's plot is not that interesting
0: <laughs> see i have a different take on that opening. In that I enjoyed it because they spent more time establishing Zelda and Link's relationship, so then when the thing happens and she gets taken, like I felt like it meant more than in other games um now this this is going you know, I played this when it released, so I'm a bit yeah you know, my memory's sketchy, so you know don't say anything I don't take anything I say with any you know uh level of uh, legitimacy, so I'm interested to see when I do get to play it again like where I fall on that this time um didn't uh, I saw something about they, they had fixed part of the tutorial or something um how, how has that played out I, did, I didn't pay attention to exactly what that was.
2: Phi interrupts US that seems to be the thing like I, I still mm-hmm. felt like people were constantly interrupting me to tell me things mm-hmm. uh but at the same time, I got to a place where I had to push a block, and the game didn't freeze to tell me how to push a block, so that was nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> uh, I, I'm i sure it is different or from the original release as far as how often you were interrupted. I still felt I was being interrupted far too often. It's just, just let me do something. Please. Stay. It took way too long to be able to do anything that resembled a Zelda game.
0: Yeah, I guess before they revamped it and, you know, in Breath of the Wild, it's almost like the series needed a yes, I've played a Zelda game before option, kind of like in the same way Pokemon needs a yes, I've played a Pokemon before.
2: And people have been complaining about this since Twilight Princess, and this is the first time I've actually agreed with them. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Breath of the Wild hadn't come out yet at that point, so uh, my my mind had not been blown and then inverted into agreeing with other people about how boring <laughs> zelda was getting yet so yeah i guess that's just a problem I'm gonna have now like i still play a link to the past once a year i've kept that up even since 2017 but i could still play that just fine still think it's a great game but skyward sword i'm just i'm just immediately bored <laughs>
0: It's it's one of those things with the the formula where um, it's like you know before Breath of the Wild I was I was definitely one of those people that was like no I don't need Zelda to change I just need it to be Zelda and then I played Breath of the Wild and was like oh Um, but like that doesn't invalidate any of my feelings on the previous games you know like I'll happily replay Mm -hmm. most of them Uh, I think we're lucky with Zelda in that it's one of those series where you know triforce heroes aside like even the worst entries are, are, are good rather than yeah. you know bad or middling so it's 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 one of those where we're, i feel like the fan base is really spoiled uh with so much quality that it's you know it's hard to have that proper um perspective on whether something's good or bad or but yeah but breath of the wild is definitely uh the thing that i i didn't know that i wanted and would have argued against before <laughs> before we got it yeah uh sorry tori we we uh haven't let you talk yet so
1: <laughs> the main uh, thing that i was going to talk about was uh the controls which was what initially drove me off the wii version to begin with um i know i would we talk about this in the slack i think about mm-hmm. the motion controls just never worked for me um fighting the, the moblins at the start of the game, the way that they hold their swords and they kind of want you to attack them from a certain angle. That's where I bounced off the game for the first time. It's just because I'm I'm doing what it's telling me to do and it's not working, it's just bouncing off. And I could spent a good half hour <laughs> just <laughs> trying. Um, I tried all sorts of different things, the rotation of the remote, tried different remotes. I tried it again on the Wii U, as well like originally on the wii and then on the wii u same problems they just didn't work for me and i couldn't figure out why and i just went well i guess this is a game i'll never play
0: yeah but must admit i was trying hard not to do the it was fine for me thing for you <laughs> and, yeah. like, and and failed but I, yeah i never had a problem um yeah me I, I either just, i mean i was using the gold Wii note yeah. that i got got with it and me too you know it was fine use
2: the yoshi one The first time I played, uh, I had the the adapter for the the old model controllers, and the second time I played, I played with uh, the Mario Kart 8 Wii Remote controller that had the Motion Plus built in. Both Mm -hmm. times, I didn't have a problem with them, and again, Andy and I are not going, well, we didn't have a problem, but we have to. These are the differing experiences that we had, and this is a thing that's been a thing with Skyward Sword uh, since it came out. For some people, it just didn't work and there's no explanation for it. Uh, so that is an experience that you may have. You it, The controls just may not work for you. We're a very small pool here to uh, draw examples from, but two of us it worked for, one of us it didn't until the HD release. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: I mean, to expand upon it, with the Switch version, there were a couple of moments where it was not behaving, but they were very quickly resolved by uh, you press the Y button, gyros reset, it works again. But it wasn't nearly as infuriating as it was on the Wii version for me. Uh, I actually really like the motion controls. I don't think mm-hmm. that's that too controversial to say on a Nintendo podcast. Nah. Nah, <laughs> I I
0: I loved them originally like it was um you know the the word immersive gets overused in in gaming chats but I did find it really immersive and I you know it's what really made that uh final boss fight for me. Um I couldn't care for the uh the stuff with the big creature going up the the, the cliffside like that that got yeah. old pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah we can um, talk about that later <laughs> yeah um i'm blanking on on its name sorry the imprisoned yeah that's it um yeah that like the first time fine you know i happened too often but the the final boss fight against the the proper emboss i loved um and was like the best of everything the the motion controls in this game did um yeah so um just uh well while we're talking about the controls let's uh so uh, one of the problems that Nintendo are facing uh, with a lot of porting their old games to the Switch is accessibility, uh, in terms of like physical accessibility. Uh, so for this, they've implemented a way to do the sword play with the right analog stick. Has anyone tried that? How, how's that working out?
1: Yeah, I actually tried it on the light. Uh, I wanted to try a little bit of both, because I got the Zelda Joy-Cons, so I had to use them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I played it a little bit on the light. The way that they've implemented it is actually quite interesting um, because it, it's almost a one to one motion with the motion controls, uh, with the angle that you swipe. And they've kind of translated that to most of the directions on the right stick. So when you flick it, uh, Link will uh, swipe his sword towards that direction. Um, if you aim. Up, on the right stick, that's when he does the, the whole Skyward Sword pose To charge up his <laughs> beam And clicking in the right stick will uh, stab But also, if you're like me and you keep on hitting the right stick to adjust the camera And he just pulls out a sword instead uh, You can hold down the left bumper, or L button And then Use the right stick, and that will control the camera instead of the sword
0: Mm
2: -hmm. that's a lot less brain teasery if you grew up playing ocarina of time where you had to do the same thing absolutely (laughs) use the z targeting to move the camera it was it was terrible but it was how we did it
0: yeah i was just out there going yep 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 used to that yep (laughs) 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 but now i I get it i think naturally it would take me a few attempts and be like oh yeah hang on i need to relate this back but (laughs)
2: Uh, it's worth pointing out that if you're playing with the motion controls with your Joy-Cons detached, then the con- the camera is just controlled with the right stick, just like any other Zelda game, and it, it mm-hmm. feels completely natural.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. So one of the other big criticisms of this game broadly is that uh, it uses too many areas, like there's the big three mm-hmm. areas that you go back to. Now, I've never had a problem with this because I've always thought that the return was interesting enough. Uh, that it didn't bother me. Like, I always felt it was like like new, interesting ways to explore the same area. Um, Andrew's tone there highlights that he might have the opposite opinion, which is fine.
2: <laughs> boring. Just so boring. <laughs> uh, my feelings about Skyward Sword have always been like, once you're past the motion controls, like, once those, the novelty of how well it works, and you've seen every like gimmick can puzzle they can squeeze out of that once that's gone this is just a really mediocre zelda game and the first half is really good when you're seeing everything new and the second half when you have to go back to the areas you were already in and they've been remixed a little bit but it's still the same area uh with some new plot happening in it it's just really boring <laughs> and like the, we talked about the imprisoned who you fight three times it's a little bit of a different fight each time but it's the thing that makes it fundamentally annoying is the thing that happens the first time you fight him and that fundamentally annoying mechanic actually it's more fundamentally annoying all three mm-hmm. times you fight him uh I, I, I don't think you could find anybody out there who won't point to the imprisoned as the worst thing in Skyward Sword. And, yeah, uh, like I, I, I'm yeah. a
0: Skyward Sword apologist, and like I can't defend that. now
2: <laughs> there's just and there's a point where you have to return to the first dungeon, and you have to go back through the first dungeon where all the puzzles are still solved, except for there's one new puzzle you do have to solve to get back into the. The final room again there's no new boss or anything it's just you just have to go back to the first dungeon because reasons and it just felt like padding they just recycled so much stuff just to make it seem like there was more here than than there is this is actually a very small game especially in in terms of being a zelda game like i said this 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 is my final thoughts on skyward sword and i i don't see this changing uh here cuz i'm just talking about content mm-hmm. once you're past the motion controls this is a mediocre zelda game it's one of the worst in the series in terms of you know designs
0: um for me like obviously i can't play it again at the moment uh ho- hopefully this week but um like it, i liked it a lot I, I preferred it to twilight princess um mm. interested to well, see how i still whether i still hold up with that um you know opinions are ever ever changing we've all changed our mind about things we've replayed you know even on this very podcast so um you know i'll go back into it with an open mind um try not to hold on to the things uh you know that are you know that i'm putting forward as arguments now because that you know that that might change with the hindsight of uh of time etc so um yeah, that's where I am with that. Uh, Tori, you've, you've probably really yet to get into the the negative stuff that we've discussed.
1: So the So I can tell that this is a Formula 8 Zelda game. Um, as soon as I hit the ground in the first area and everything just feels claustrophobic again, I'm not I- incredibly excited to play this. <laughs> um, I'll play it and I'll probably find some enjoyment in it. Uh, with the motion controls and the the art style and music and maybe even the storytelling, but the design of it, I feel like I've kind of played it before.
0: Uh, And that's like true of most Zeldas. (laughs) It
1: it is, Um, but going from Breath of the Wild back to a classic Zelda...
0: Yeah.
2: And not even one of the good classic Zeldas.
1: Well, I mean, even specifically a 3D one. (laughs) (laughs) Because going back to like... A link to the past and the original Zelda and even Zelda Two. It felt more open than any three D Zelda game. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: like uh, I, I used to be agree with Andy. I used to think Twilight Princess was disappointing, but then I played the HD version on Wii U, and I just I completely turned around on. I was like, wait, this is one of the best Zelda games. Like the the dungeon design in Twilight Princess, I, st- I still think is the best in the series. And Skyward Sword. It, it, more than anything else it, it just feels like a watered down twilight princess really <laughs> like they, they spent so much energy and time and money and storage space probably on, on the motion controls that the rest of the game just kind of feels like a stripped down twilight princess
0: um one thing i will mention though is like uh, i did pick up both the Zelda remakes on Wii U but I only found time to play Wind Waker, still a great game still love it Um, and I also think that remake did fix the right things about that game Um, but I never got around to replaying Twilight Princess so I am still holding out hope that they re-release both those uh, Wii U versions Twilight Princess
1: Um, is probably one of my favourites yeah
2: there's nothing stopping you from playing your Wii U version of Twilight I Princess, I know, Andy. but I want
0: to play it on Switch. Yeah.
1: All right. Yeah. I'd even probably play, replay it again if it came to Switch.
2: Mm-hmm. I would too, but, you know. <laughs> 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 when I say that on this podcast, that doesn't mean
0: anything. <laughs> no. It is true. I will play anything on Switch. yeah <laughs> um, um. Just, just I, I feel we're ending. But
2: just to end it on a more positive note, let's just say, like, Toria, I, I hope you'll experience this soon. And agree, uh, one of the final dungeons, the Ancient Cistern, is one of the best Zelda dungeons, and its boss Colactos is one of the best Zelda bosses. I so, have heard that. Yeah, I, I will at least give Skyward Sword credit for that. Like, the entrance to Ancient Cistern is actually—it's a throwback to. The Legend of Zelda dungeon entrances where it's just it's this giant like face built into the environment and you go inside its mouth to get inside and then just it's it's an amazing dungeon and if like the entire game had been that quality I would be much more positive about Skyward Sword. I'm sorry I'm supposed to be being positive about this <laughs> but uh, I I will say in an attempt to be more positive Ancient Cistern is worth price the price of your mission you just you've got to really slog to get there
0: um the other thing i will say is that uh i do like how this game sometimes lead you into dungeons without you realizing it like there are outdoor dungeons mm-hmm. um, the pirate ship will, will yeah. fool you <laughs> there, there was a uh the desert area as well i was i had a point in uh my original playthrough where i was doing a puzzle and i was like wait a second this is a dungeon uh and i completely missed the transition um it's probably really obvious in hindsight but yeah uh, that was the thing that happened and the most positive thing that we can end with is ballad of the goddess yes which although it's just a reversed uh, zelda's lullaby is amazing and is possibly my favorite the fact that uh, it's, zelda, zelda song
1: the fact that it's the reversed zelda's lullaby makes it more amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that it sounds so good <laughs>
2: And while I was sitting there being bored by all the talking, I, I did occur to me I was like, "Wow, this this actually does have really amazing music in it."
0: Yeah, I think it's probably got the best Zelda soundtrack. No, but it's very good. No, I think it is.
1: No opinion yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's move on, uh, and we'll I'll just go over some of the stuff I've been playing in frustration of not getting Skyward Sword and just being at an in between. Uh fuser I tried the demo on on switch and liked it enough that I went and bought it on p. c uh mainly because I thought the mouse controls would be easier and more fun um Tori, you spoke about this at length a number of episodes back and when it first yeah came this out. is yeah yeah this this is a great music game, like harmonics make amazing music games, and I think this might be the best um just Every time I think that it can't impress me more on a technical level it introduces a new feature yeah and slaps me in the face with it and I'm like oh okay
1: have you got the riser so, yet
0: uh, yes just got it so that, that um, blew I'm, me away the tutorial sorry the tutorial the campaign is pretty much just a, a very long glorified tutorial um, and it's just there to teach you what the sorts of things you can do uh, the free may free, you know free play mode is the you know the meat. I think but uh yeah it's just uh the the filters like I wasn't expecting that especially the, like the stutter one to work as well as it does instruments add your own instruments what <laughs> it's all like really easy to do so people without any musical inclination can just you know jump in and and make something really cool um and obviously just the, the way the elements of the tracks, they're over each other. Some work better than others, um, but they give you the tools to to deal with that in really interesting and, and fun ways. Yeah, I'm, I'm having a blast with this. Uh, uh, I recommend people check this one out if they've got any interest in music games because it's, it's pretty phenomenal. Um, Borderlands, just going to skip through these quickly. So I said last week I got the borderlands legendary collection on the cheap for me and my wife to to sort of chip away at co-op you know it doesn't matter if it happens slowly uh we just went through started going through i've gone up to level 10 am i right in thinking they've taken some of the borderlands 2 uh like minor mechanics and added them to borderlands 1 like the the looting Uh, system ammo and money yes they did update
2: borderlands 1 uh to add new things in it like uh angels visual is very different now from how it was when it first launched mm-hmm. and you can auto loot things now by yes, holding I down the so. button that you used to have to loot things individually which was mm-hmm. terrible and uh, there's the uh the shift key system with the chests in town is in in uh in borderlands one too but I've, I've never interacted with that system i never cared yeah. about it so uh, i think those are the big ones
0: um, you do get some really cool loot from the shift codes, but it, it kind of got a bit too much in Borderlands 2, where it's just like, oh, okay, enough. Because, uh, yeah, I like micromanaging loot, but sometimes Borderlands can be quite overwhelming. Like, there's too much. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I've realized, like, I've, I've beaten this game twice before, like, in its entirety DLC, even Moxie's Underdome the uh, And, like, I, I've. Think favorably of this opening section as much as I do. Something like you know, Grand Theft Auto Three, where the whole area is just completely imprinted on my brain forever. Yeah, I'm I'm always in agreement with you. But Borderlands Two is amazing and is the you know the best game of this series. But yeah, wow, that uh, the way this established that uh, the the gameplay rhythm basically is just you know, it's just such a fun gameplay rhythm whatever you do you get rewarded with something cool um it's yeah I, i'm big fan of that um and you know the gunplay is pretty fun as it has always been yeah happy to be revisiting it uh and i look forward to playing more bravely default 2 andrew you've long since finished this i think
2: yeah i was waiting for somebody else to finish it before <laughs> i could say
0: it was okay <laughs> yeah i um so i haven't played it for a, a little while but uh because i to you know do the profile transfer on the the lights yesterday I booted it back up and I picked back up picked it back up I was part way through chapter four which I I feel is a bit of a slog and which was why I had kind of dropped off anyway but I'm coming to the end of that chapter now um yeah I find the more I play of it the the less interested in the story I am I don't know if you had that
2: I thought the story actually started getting really interesting in Act 3 when it started introducing more twists, mm-hmm. uh, which were very good twists, so I don't want to say what they are. Um, but overall, yeah, I was not always drawn in by the story, especially since I, I often had to play many, many hours before I would get an update on the actually interesting parts of the
0: story. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I definitely haven't helped myself with the uh, the way I was playing it in terms of maxing out the jobs before I move on to story beat. Um, I, I did do a couple of them without actually playing the game at all, just by abusing the chip <laughs> system and just like picking it up for fifteen minutes every day, and you know, <laughs> going through my items, spending them, and then just putting it back into sleep mode again. Well,
2: I, I did not deliberately max out my jobs like Andy did, like run in a circle and grind. I did not do that. And I still got to the end of the game with almost every job m- mastered. So <laughs> nice. that was completely unnecessary <laughs> for you, you, you to put doing, yourself through that. You were doing the side quests though, weren't you? To a point. I reached a point where I was just like, "I these side quests add nothing because they add nothing. Yeah. It's not like in the first game where you had to do the side quests to get most of the asterisks. There is one asterisk in the entire game that you get through a side quest everything Mm -hmm. else is a side quest that mostly you just go to a place you grab some junk you bring it back and you get an item that is like 10 potions that you can buy in a shop next door for using the money that you have where you have more money than you'll ever need it's the side quests are completely pointless very disappointed in that part of the game
0: i hit a point very early on with the side quests where i just bail on them completely and that was the one where you had to take a meal to a soldier trapped in a dungeon and you get there and he's like oh there's no cutlery and you have to go back for the cutlery and i said screw this <laughs> yeah uh, could not be bothered um so yeah so it, in a way like the grinding has helped me like i'm powering through most of the bosses uh, you know for some people they don't Want that they want to be, they want to be tested by the bosses and have to think creatively. Uh, I'm just at that point now where the story is not interesting me, so I'm happy that I've I've got that extra power boost just from over leveling. No, and,
2: and I was playing on the hardest difficulty, and with the bosses, I reached a point where I was looking at and it's like I can't even conceive how this is beatable. Like I, I had <laughs> to drop it down to normal just because mm-hmm. they would literally either tank all my damage or they would heal damage faster than i could dam- damage them i just it was infuriating
0: so <laughs> yeah. yeah and and like most of them so far once i figured out the trick they've been easy so i just uh beat the uh, necromancer character and that was just hit him with holy four times <laughs> job done <laughs> um and uh yeah one of my uh, melee characters they've got uh oh what's it called there's a heroic deed, the most powerful one of those. Like most bosses, if I did that, uh, you know, fully um, defaulted four times, easy. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, looking forward to to ending. So Bravely Default 2 is kind of the reason why I haven't picked up Monster Hunter Stories 2 yet. Just because I, I, I'm trying to control myself. Like, I, I'm fed up of having a whole backlog of... JRPGs that take me forever <laughs> um, and Monster Hunter Stories 2 I believe is a lot shorter looking at um, you know how long to beat etc so uh, once I finish this I will pick that up but uh, yeah I, I'm trying to limit myself on that um, so yeah but uh, yeah, enjoyed it a lot at the beginning I, it's uh, yeah I just the more I play the less interested in what's happening I am and I'm just kind of going through the motions and you know to be fair that, that happens a lot with me in JRPGs it's just the uh, you know occasionally i'll find one that just really enthralls me which is your persona 4 or you know whatever that's that uh and the last one of my uh, cavalcade of random is uh, rocket league because uh, i i wasn't sure if skyward sword was going to come saturday so friday night i was like i just want something you know i can just jump into and not worry about and i picked rocket league at random um and uh i've kind of <laughs> rediscovered how much i love rocket league uh so, you know I won't go big into the description it's football with cars. Um my I think the thing why I stopped playing it is that um people would get really head up over it and it'd be like calm down it's it's football with cars. It's meant to be ridiculous. Uh, but since jumping back in and I kinda get it now because every time like I'm in a, a position to do something useful or I'm about to score one of my teammates will smash me out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Every single time. Like and it's uh Yeah, it it gets frustrating. So now I'm sort of like, okay, now I, I, I understand why peop why people lose it at the <laughs> people on their team for not doing the right thing. Like clear goal scoring chance, smashed out of the way. Another thing I found as well, when I when I played it originally, I kept getting stuck in trying to do the same move constantly and it was like a just an automatic reaction i couldn't stop it couldn't break it having like two years off of playing it i finally managed to break that so now i'm actually enjoying it mechanically uh, as i should have been originally so yeah having a lot more fun on that i think i'm going to keep playing it still so uh yeah just when you when you get a bad team and they're, they're just selfish because they want to be the one that does all the things that's when it gets frustrating um i made a meme about that and posted it on twitter uh, about how both my opponents and my teammates like smashing me out of the way when I'm about to do something good so yeah uh, So are you using your racing wheel uh, no not for this I hadn't even thought of that
1: oh my god
0: I don't even know how that would work <laughs> do people play it with racing wheels
2: I'd be surprised if people didn't
0: oh I need to look into this I don't know how you do the camera control because it's kind of vital <laughs> oh
2: i didn't even know that was a thing
0: yeah oh man if you if you had first person rocket league no one would score anything
2: <laughs> it's got to come to vr oh that would least. explain why i never score anything
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, and i nearly forgot the main reason why i did this on the list is because when when i first talked about it when it first launched like years ago probably year one of the switch now um i had to do a lot of uh talking around the graphics because they weren't really up to par, and they were particularly bad in handheld. Uh, they must have done a lot of work on this because it looks beautiful now. Uh, mm. Not a single complaint. Run smoothly, had, haven't had any problems. They've also added cross-play since, and that's been flawless too. Um, so yeah, regardless of how it launched, really happy with how it is Like a few years down the track. Um, it's a I panic button, it's...
1: isn't it? Sorry? It was a panic button port, wasn't yeah, it?
0: Yeah, it, was it was a panic button one, yeah. Um... Whatever they've done, it's great now, um, and I think it's actually properly free to play now. So mm-hmm. you know, yeah. if, if, that happened if you, a while ago. Yeah, if if I think it was not long after I paid money for it on Switch, I think. <laughs> um, so yeah, so well, uh, yeah, if you if presumably
2: they gave you a bonus for doing that after it went free to play.
0: <laughs> yeah, not not a clue. Can't remember. Um, I logged in and I was like, oh, I've got a Delorean for some reason.
2: That's probably why.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, But yeah, great great game. Uh, I'm happy I revisited it because I would have just been, you know, completely ignorant to how much they've improved it. So, yeah, I think I want to keep playing that. And it's because it's free to play. You can check it out if you haven't. So give it a go. Uh, So, yeah. So that's all my blurb out of the way. Uh, Let's talk about Monster Hunter Stories 2, which both you two have been playing and I've already gone into my reasons why I don't have it yet. Uh, This is a... JRPGified version of a uh, Monster Hunter's setting, um, more story focused, I would say. But you know, uh, I'm sure you'll both correct me on that if I'm wrong. So, Tori, you want to start?
1: Yeah, it's considerably much more, as the name would imply, story focused. So, uh, I think a lot of people tend to latch to Pokemon as the comparison. Uh, it's not like Pokemon. No, uh, it the uh, resemblance is basically just it's a monster collecting role playing game. Uh, instead of hunting the monsters, you are called a rider, and you will find eggs out in the wild. And these <laughs> riders can kind of sync with the egg and the monster that hatches out of it, and it becomes your sort of partner in battle i was that side because i'm one steez? yes <laughs> <laughs> um, they they're trying to distinguish the the enemy monsters which don't have riders from the human partnered ones human controlled i don't think controlled really goes well into the theme of it but you and your your monstie are, are pals, whereas everyone else is a threat, basically. I, d- I don't really understand the, the mechanics. Maybe the first game goes into why. There's something to do with the, the kinship stone that the writer has that makes them domesticated? I, I don't understand it, but that's it's just presented as this is what happens and this is the way it is.
2: I just took it as more of a exploring the wider culture of monster hunter like monster hunter world is based more around european stuff and then you got rise which is very much medieval japan and then you've got this one which is uh, more of a tribal setting with your characters they're very much dressed like island natives of a very generic non-specific theme (laughs) or culture and they don't hunt monsters and there's clearly some friction between your tribe and these visiting knights basically who, who seem to come from a hunting culture and, and the fact that this tribe tames monsters and befriends monsters and fights alongside them instead of you know killing them and turning their parts into swords and armor even though those mechanics are still in this game just in a, a much reduced form.
1: Yeah it, it's actually quite strange in the original uh, Monster Hunter games you specifically kill the monsters to harvest their parts and you craft the different armor parts, like your helmet and your chest and and so on. Whereas in this one, you're still killing the monsters, but you're not really harvesting the monsters. You just get the parts kind of like an RPG reward mm-hmm. system. Um, the more varied stuff that you do in battle, the more rewards you get, there's a sort of... Battle ranking system. Um, I think I assume it goes down from E all the way up to S. The the higher the rank, the more extra parts that you get, and you just craft the entire set at once. Um, same with weapons. Uh, there's a couple of different weapons in the uh, in the game, not nearly as much as there are in an actual Monster Hunter game but they're kind of yeah, categorized he... by like blunt, piercing, and sharp.
2: Yeah, there's like <laughs> the sword and shield, the great sword, the hunting horn, and one other one, which I've forgotten. And you can use all four at the same time. You can switch them out in battle depending upon the situation that it calls for. So that, that's kind of interesting spin on Monster Hunter. And also as a neat side effect is it, it does kind of ease you into the function of these weapons in monster hunter if, if you're trying to get into monster hunter and it's just bewildering to you this is a, a very this is a good way to uh, to slow walk yourself into it because it it's based on the original monster hunter mechanics although i have to emphasize it's in practice very different but it's based on those so it'll give you an understanding
1: yeah uh, of some how of the, those games work some of the larger monsters will let you target specific parts of the body. And some of those might be vulnerable to a hammer attack, and that might smash some armor off the
2: hammer. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Or you can cut the tail off, and that will limit the uh, attacks that your um, enemy monsters can do as well. And that's how it works in the main games as well. Like uh, a puke puke, you cut its tail off, it can't do poison attacks nearly as much. Um, But they've also got this sort of uh, rock paper scissors mechanic I mean if I'm going to compare it to any RPG it instantly reminded me of Fire Emblem with the weapon <laughs> triangle it's basically, there's it technical strong attack and uh, fast attack or speedy attack and they're coloured uh, respectively green red and blue and uh, technical which is green is weak to strong attacks which is red which is weak to fast attacks which are blue so if you're familiar with pokemon and the starter pokemon maybe that that's what that's been my mnemonic device of remembering what's good against what
2: (laughs) although you don't have to remember because it just it shows you on screen which is powerful against which which is great because i always forget that stuff i even now i i can't keep the firearm weapon triangle straight
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Fire Emblem, I'll forget. If, if there's the colors, red is good against green, green is good against blue, and blue is good against red. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I just remember that through Pokemon with water, fire, and grass. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, you have those different weapon archetypes, like the blunt, the bladed, and the piercing, and then you have the different types of attacks. So you basically you pick a, a move and it will kind of put that against what the monster that you're fighting picks. So if the enemy monster is picking a technical attack and you picked a strong attack, it will kind of do this. Actually, there's a distinction because you'll see who the enemy monster is targeting. And if it targets you, then it will do this thing where it will match up what attack you picked against what attack it picked. And if you win you do a hell of a lot more damage than it does to you. And it's a kind of this cool animation where it's got like the split screen in the middle and both are running at each other and whoever wins takes over the whole screen. It's just, it's a little detail that I really liked. Um, It really just plays out like a turn-based RPG. Otherwise, there are some kinship attacks that will kind of use up this little bar that fills up the, the longer in the battle. And they'll have those same sort of elements, I guess. The strong technical and speed. But if you manage to fill it up all the way, then you can ride your monstie and do a sort of combo attack with it. Uh, So in a typical battle, it's you and your monstie, and sometimes you'll have a buddy with you with their own monstie. So a lot of the time it's a 4 v four versus one but the annoying thing is unless i've missed it you can only control what your rider does as an Mm -hmm, attack mm -hmm. everyone else is controlled ai
2: yeah it's a very classic rpg in that sense that was actually quite common when rpgs were first starting out on consoles you could control the player character and that was it and i don't know when that really started to change Uh, But I know at least up through Dragon Quest 4, that was still the standard. Like you controlled your player character and that was it. So it was probably one of the reasons that RPGs were considered such a passive experience because you you did spend a lot of time watching the gameplay itself.
0: (laughs) I'm just thinking with uh, like even Persona 4, like the default setting is that your teammates will do their own thing Uh, Mm -hmm. and you have to manually change that to have full control, which, you know, I I, everyone should do uh, with those games but uh yeah yeah
2: i don't yeah. i'm pretty sure that option is not available in monster hunter stories i mm-hmm. don't think this is how it
1: works i gotta dig into it because it's really annoying that they don't seem to learn they never seem to actually <laughs> take the attacks that the monster uh, the monster is doing into consideration they'll just keep doing the same thing and losing the matchups and everything over and over that's probably my main gripe with the game. It's just your teammates are idiots. It's kind of like you with Rocket League, Andy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, you, you just don't want to rely on them too much. So, yeah, that at least sucks. Rocket
0: League, you know it's explained by morons doing the things, not AI or. <laughs> uh,
1: it's not a deal breaker it's just it's a little bit frustrating when you're fighting some of the the tougher monsters and it just feels like you're the only one doing anything especially considering that the riders do considerably less damage than your monsters they they're the bulk of your damage and you don't get to tell them how to deal it it's it, it just it doesn't feel right there must be something that i'm missing um, I'm still having fun with it though despite that it just feels odd I guess
2: yeah it does feel like a very slowly paced game like uh, there's an option to speed up the battles which makes it a little more tolerable but uh, there's it gives you a goal and you can also in addition to your main goal that you're supposed to be doing out in the world you can pick up quite a large number of side quests that are, are literally just defeat a certain amount of monsters or find a certain amount of material and then you're out in the world and there are a few pre-designed locations but also out in the world you can find monster dens which are randomly generated like their their entrances will appear randomly on the world map and also when you go inside it randomly selects them from a pre-built dungeon and these monster nests most of my done are quite small like I i could easily go in and out of them in a couple minutes if i really wanted to and wasn't trying to explore everything and fight everything for experience and find all the pickups inside if all i want to do is just go in get the monster egg and get out i could probably do it in two to three minutes and uh, when i was doing those is like this really feels like a relic of a 3ds game right here
1: yeah um and there's a sort of gacha ish element to collecting the eggs as well yeah
2: i wasn't thrilled about that so uh, you want to get as many eggs as you can because uh
1: most of the eggs are going to be garbage
2: <laughs> you're going to be throwing away the monsters that are inside them.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a sort of press your luck system um, Navaru, which I, I believe is a character from the first game he'll kind of tell you how heavy an egg is and the smell of it mm-hmm. I don't know what they relate to specifically in the stats of whatever hatches but I assume that you want smelly and heavy um, and you can don't we all yeah, especially for eggs. No. <laughs> um, you can pick up an egg, and if it it doesn't meet your standards, or Navaru's standards, I guess, um, you can toss it and pick up another one, and it's a sort of press your luck. If you keep going, you might eventually have to fight another monster. Um,
2: yeah, because you're digging around in their nest for their eggs, and they they come back.
1: It's like, oh, hi, Mom. <laughs> Don't <yeah>. mind me. <gasps> But I, I feel like that's going to be the bulk of the gameplay, like with a Pokemon game, uh, just to compare it to another monster collecting game. In a Pokemon game, the, the end game is kind of finding the highest IV Pokemon uh, for mm-hmm. competitive reasons. I feel like that's going to be a similar thing here. Not that there's really a competitive thing for this game. It's, it's very PVE. I think there's a co-op mm. mode that I haven't really explored yet, but... Yeah, it's mostly a a solo adventure, but maybe you just want some min-maxed monsties, especially with the the gene editing that you can do in this game. Uh, Another thing that I haven't really explored, uh, it gave me a tutorial for it, your genes are kind of like, I'm pretty sure they're called genes in this, Um, they kind of dictate the stats the stat bonuses for your monsties And the moves that they have And you can kind of take them from one monstie And give them to another Which Consumes the monstie But I say consume in a, a game way They say that it it leaves <laughs> you But it really feels like you, You're you ripping the jeans Out of one monstie And stitching it into another one To create the The, the uber monstie I guess I'm noticing a lot of Jurassic Park.
0: Yeah, uh, I about to I'm noticing a lot of Jurassic Park analogs <laughs> here. There's there's the stealing the baby from the mother and the mother coming back, uh, then gene splicing. Yeah,
1: it feels like very advanced technology for a, what it feels like it's just like a tribal nation, but they did it.
0: That's another line from Jurassic Park. <laughs>
1: I haven't even seen it in so long. (laughs) That was not on purpose. Uh, I'm enjoying my time with it, but um, the battles do get a little bit samey, especially near the start. I mean, I'm only six hours in, but I've kind of just fallen into a pattern into how I'm approaching the battles and the dens. I do like that the uh, subquests are just stuff that I do anyway.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Because that's just a, an extra reward for just playing the game.
1: Yeah. Because it, it'll just be like pick up six mushrooms or combine items. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's just brought over from the main series. It's kind of slightly touched up for, for this genre, but it's not touched up that much. Uh, like the whole gathering for herbs. And rocks and materials and creating armor it it's all going to be familiar to monster hunter fans but yeah it might be a good way of kind of introducing new players to the concept of the franchise at large
0: uh well sounds like a positive start uh for both of you with this one um yeah i'm, I'm gonna pick it up after bravely default uh, i'm definitely interested but yeah just just wanted to hold off until i'd beaten it Yes, I think that's it for episode 160. Okay, folks, what are we playing in the coming week? Tori, we'll start with you.
1: I'm going to try and finish Skyward Sword. Um, whether or not that happens is another story. But also, I really do want to get stuck into Monster Hunter stories too. I think they just added Palamute monsters, so I want to check that out.
0: <laughs> and Andrew?
2: We got a review code for Samurai Warriors 5, so I'm going to be taking a look at that.
0: Uh, And me, I'm just going to be finishing off a bunch of things. I'm already playing because I have so much of it. Um, I already forgot about Mario Golf, which says a lot.
2: (laughs) Um, I have too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that just uh, popped into my head there. But yes, I should probably go back to that too. So that's me, uh, and that's it for the episode.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Focus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes, it really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify and other podcast services. Make sure to check out our sister shows, PlayState and Power of X, that's for PlayStation and Xbox. Also be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively GamePodular community. Follow us on Twitter, YouTube and GamePodular.com for updates, news and other content links for all of these are in the show notes if you'd like to support our shows you can also buy us a coffee or become a game podular patreon details for both of these are on our website thanks in advance this episode was edited by andrew and you can follow him at play critically and check out his long form reviews at playcritically.com. our host andy is at flame roast toast on twitter and myself at stew2 stw